Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, Stephen Diener here, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, and presenting to you UAP's greatest hits. And I, honestly, I've been looking forward to re-releasing this particular episode Underground Bases in the Dulce War. This is one of my favorite episodes to this day that I have ever done. The story still fascinates me to this day. And honestly, I might do a follow-up here soon on a new episode. But it, this one originally aired on August 6th, 2021. So this was actually episode number six going all the way back here for UAP's Greatest Hits. So hopefully, if you've never heard it before, you enjoy. And even if you have heard it before, maybe you enjoy again right here on UAP. Thanks. Welcome in episode six of the Unidentified Alien podcast, and this is going to be a doozy. Stephen Diener here, Karen Curtis over there. Strap yourselves in for this one because personally, Karen, I have been waiting to cover this subject since we started this show, and I've been saving it because I didn't want to do one of the, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating, incredible, fantastical stories that there is out there. Uh, right off the bat. So I couldn't wait anymore. Today we're going to cover the Dulce base and Philip Schneider. We're going down a rabbit hole, and that was not hyperbole. This will deliver. When he told me about this, I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I started listening to some of the sound from Philip Schneider. Yeah. And you're just going to have to decide for yourself. <laughs> it's it's crazy. So, and that's a good way to put it, decide for yourself because what we're going to do here is and basically and you know, we'll go through all the uh sound from from Philip Schneider himself who yep. gave a 1-hour talk at a convention back in 1995. And, don't don't don't. Yep. Oh, all right. I'll, I won't get too far ahead of myself, yep. but you'll you're going to find out today about basically how he was involved in all these Blackout projects. Um, he was a government contractor. Worked a lot of different things. Yeah, he's a U.S. government geologist. Yes. Engineer. Yes. He was involved in the construction of deep underground military bases known as dumbs. <laughs> it's <laughs> like dumb, you dummy. Yes, it's a good name. And well, the stories. Eventually, he got to a point where he couldn't hold back his silence anymore. And one of the main stories that he talks about that you're going to hear about today is what they refer to now as the Dulce Base War, and which is a base, an underground base, supposedly, in uh, New Mexico, where we, they had quite the encounter. Yes, yeah, so Dulce, New Mexico, is a small southwestern town. It doesn't even have a traffic light, Stephen Diener. So no. how can aliens <laughs> even find it if it doesn't even have a traffic light? It's uh, Yeah, it's, it's hard to find on a map, let alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, there's um, American Indians live there. The, the what tribe? The uh, Hickoria tribe. And they are out there, basically. And they've talked about seeing different things, strange things. Um, in the past, where you know it's un- it's kind of unexplained, it's unidentified, and yeah. those stories, the urban legends, if you will, go through generation to generation. But they've talked about seeing different, you know, weird things in the uh, Archuleta Mesa Mountains out there, and it's 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 
it's very odd. So it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what we talk about today with Philip Schneider. Yeah, this shit's been going down for hundreds of years. And as you said, these American Indians there, and it's called the Truth or Consequences area of New Mexico. They would chronicle what they saw inside the caves, you know, with cave drawings. And they first saw their glimpse of what was going on as early as 1909 in the American Southwest. Now, Army cavalry evidently were chasing some bandits, and they entered this cave. They were holed up in a cave, and what they found in there was flying discs and, and little gray guys and all kinds of weird things, and they didn't know how to explain that, and they wrote them down as best they could, and it's been in secret archives ever since. Uh, that's Philip Snyder right there. Yeah, that was him, and, it, you know, everything you hear today was from a... Uh, like we said, it was it was basically like an hour-long talk at this speaking engagement he had back in May of 1995. Yeah, well, here's the introduction before you hear from Phil, but this is the only other person you're going to hear on this podcast other than Diener and myself <laughs> and Philip Snyder. He's a former government geologist and engineer in the Black Project's underground bases at areas 51, S4, and Los Alamos. So he was the real deal. quite the resume. Yeah, and he, you know, this was a guy that worked for years um, doing these, you know, different government projects and had top secret clearances. Um, So he was, I mean, if you you try to look him up, it's going to be hard to find information on him as we came to find out doing research for this episode. That's a really good point. So I Googled Philip Snyder. It's S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. Right. And the only thing that comes up is a YouTube video that we're... We took the sound from and something on Pinterest. But when I went and I entered the dates of like 1995 when he gave this talk. Right. That you're about to hear. Uh, and then something else happens after the talk. But we'll tell you in a minute. Yes. Uh, nothing comes up in the news about this guy. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. It's it's a little scary. And it was honestly unsettling for us because we started thinking, my gosh, Kind of half-joking, really half-joking, we started thinking, should we even do this episode? Right, because it's <laughs> scrubbed from the the interweb. So if, maybe uh, I'm on the wrong internet. Maybe. Maybe we have to find a different internet. So if you don't hear in episode 7, you know what happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> but just real quick, Karen, before we get back into this side note, you mentioned the truth or consequences area where you know some of this action took place, so to speak, where they find uh, you know these these aliens um that's where richard branson took off from when he did his uh his uh, edge of space flight was uh, truth or consequences new mexico so odd coincidence i don't know just saying yeah <laughs> there's a lot of those odd coincidences yes uh so philip snyder was one of three people to survive the 1979 firefight between large grays u.s intelligence and military at the dulce underground base now Explain this because I understand that there are supposed to be underground and underwater bases around the world, actually. Is this true? Well, true or not. I mean, I guess, you know, you have to make up your own mind on that. But there are a lot of testimonials to this, including from, you know, Philip Schneider, a guy who helped to build a lot of these bases and had knowledge of these bases. And the one that he talks about and that we're covering today was, like you said, 1979. This is the incident. And we kind of, you hear us say that, you know, encounter with aliens underground, firefight. And you're like, wait, what? What's happening? So, and that's that's the story that he kind of details here. And we're detailing for you today is... He's going down into this base in Dulce, New Mexico, and comes across these tall gray aliens and starts to open fire because he's like, what the heck am I seeing here? He's scared out of his mind. 
And, well, they started firing back at him. And you get so into he this, says. This, this war, right, so he says, um, with Green Berets involved as well. I think, I mean, a bunch of military men died, according to his account. And they shot his fingers off with a laser. Three fingers missing, I think, on we, his left hand. You'll see the picture up at our Instagram page. But I have to tell you, there's a from 50,000 feet, there's a larger, a bigger picture. He's talking about a new world order. And he's saying, you know these Starlink satellites mm-hmm. that they're sending up? Elon Musk and the 5G millimeter wave network and the UN has unveiled plans to implement universal biometric IDs by 2030. He says that this is all part of the New World Order agenda and he's predicting it here. The alien agenda is the complete takeover of this planet, the killing off of five, six to seven eighths of the world's population by the year 2029. U.S. military has known about this for 45 years. They've told no one. Now, keep in mind, and again, you know, what, whatever you want to think about the New World Order and things like that, but this is something that he was talking about in 1995. So when he's projecting to 2029, it's just kind of creepy, you know? <laughs> yeah, because that's only, wonder. what, uh, eight years eight from now. Years from now. <laughs> 1995, 2029 sounded so far away. It's not so far away now. Yeah, well... Phil Snyder, dare we say it, he says that he had near misses, that uh, aliens tried to kill him multiple times. Or government agents. Or government agents yeah. did. He said he almost died many times at the hands of aliens and apparently of government agents as well. And he says that the government keeps us in the dark and uses a lot of taxpayer money to do so. All information dealing with alien or alien reproduced technology or alien reproduced vehicles or any other kinds of things well hidden from the American public. Our black budget, for instance, garners $1.023 trillion every two years. It's over $500 billion a year. Right now, there are 131 active deep underground military bases in the United States. There's 1,477 of them worldwide. Each one has an average cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars. Each one is uh, built in the site, uh, oh, it used to be, it'd take a year to two years to build each one. And now they're capable of building a couple of them a year. Uh, with sophisticated methods. So again, I'm going to continue to say this as we play different sound like that. This was 1995. So keep in mind when he's saying those numbers about trillions and billions and the amount of bases that there it's are. It's like quadrillion now. It's. I mean, I can't even imagine the money when it comes to black ops and these, you know, these these secret budgets, if you will, that he's alleging that the government had. And again, this is a guy. This wasn't some guy, you know, that they picked up off the street. This is a no. guy who had a secret, top secret government clearances. Who, if you if you can look back in the records, you would find that he worked on a lot of different projects that are off the books. So that's why he would he was also coming out saying, and you know, we'll play the sound later on. But he's talking about how he has been hunted down and he, he was hunted down by different government agents he had fbi former fbi agents who he befriended um who were basically trying to save his life from get from being killed and people he talked about a gunshot wound he had his shoulder i mean these these are crazy things about surviving attempted hits on his life because he was in the position that he was in 
And he was the only person in that position, formerly anyway, coming out and saying things like this. Yeah, here he is talking more about the super duper classified stuff that no one's supposed to talk about. Here's a crystalline example. It's in the scalenohedral crystalline form. Huh? We got this from the large grays uh, technology. Uh, this is grown in the confines of, of outer space, which has not quite a super vacuum, but by the way, this is capable of withstanding temperatures in except 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. It's great for uh, certain parts of aircraft. Now, boring machines, for instance, they don't bore. They literally vitrify and melt the rock, deflagrate the rock. It's a very sophisticated laser. It reduces the rock to a powder and then melts the remaining rock as a coating on the inside of the base so you don't have to use gunite cements and other kinds of things like that. The new technology we get is the old hat of the military. I want to be real brief about it. I carried a level one security clearance, the Rylite 38 factor. There are very few of us. There's nobody except myself, to my knowledge, talking like this. Nobody. I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking world as well as federal law. I'm coming out and even talking about this to a group of people. I love my country more than I love my life. Two weeks ago, I was shot in the shoulder. Wow. So, again, a lot to unpack there when, when you hear him talking about the different uh, elements that they got from that, that he you know claims they got from the tall grays. As a he knows so much, and it's hard to believe, though. And that's and that's the thing that really struck me and about the story when I because I first heard about the story years ago, and as we did more research for this episode of the podcast, it struck me again to think, how do you rattle off all those things that he rattled off about the the graphite he's talking about? You know, withstand ten thousand degrees. We heard even Paris Hilton drop in there, which she may or may not have actually been at that conference, but we'll let you decide. But that was hot <laughs> to think that there's different materials like that where you talk about the instruments and and the machines that they can use to build these underground bases. It would make sense because otherwise, how are they able to tunnel in so efficiently with just you know machines that we're used to now? I mean, if he's talking about machines that are able to tunnel through and eviscerate the rock, melt the rock as it goes through so you're not using concrete, it's basically self-sustaining construction at that point. This is where he gets a little fantastical. The magnetoleviton trains that connect all the deep underground military bases within the United States. A Mach 2 train floats off of a single rail at a, uh, three quarters of an inch off the rail and is... Uh, what you'd call high-tech. We have nothing like this on the surface. The public basically has been totally lied to. We're considered stupid or even moronic in some cases. It's got to stop. If, if we're going to gain our country back, we must instill in our public officials, anybody that goes and does public service, they must tell us the truth. If they cannot do this, then, then they must be impeached or they must must be removed from office. Has he not seen Tri-Rail? <laughs> Tri-Rail doesn't levitate, Karen. Oh my God. I don't think it goes over about 40 miles an hour. Right, exactly. And it's it's really, again, the word we used at the beginning of the show and just now that Karen said, fantastical, to think about this is, st- this is something that you would hear about in a science fiction novel yeah. or a science fiction movie that you would see. A, mo- a train that goes Mach 2 underground it uses anti-gravity technology. But if you're going with the theory, again, keeping in mind that this is 1995. This and is it's a guy, alien technology. It's alien technology. And a guy who basically saying that he worked on all these projects. So 
if you're believing on where he came from, his past as far as his work, then this isn't a guy who's just talking out of his butt. You know what I mean? This is somebody who is basically speaking from experience. So if you combine all of that, again, you make up your own mind on whether this is just complete BS or if this guy was really speaking the truth here, you know, 25, 26 years ago. So I'm watching the video and I'm thinking this guy's full of crap. And then he raises his hand up and I see he's missing fingers. Oh, yeah. So here's what happened in 1979 at Dulce as he was building the underground base. That during the unbelievable part, I was involved in building another base onto in inside of Dulce, New Mexico, which is Los Alamos laboratory. It's a biological laboratory. And when you build a underground base, you drill four basic holes and you literally blast out or tunnel out or deflagrate or melt rock out to build the large rooms that are required for this underground base. In this process, I was lowered down the basket of one of these holes and about from me to this elderly woman here in the front was sitting a seven foot tall alien gray the stench was worse than the worst garbage can you can imagine uh, the person was at or the entity was absolutely horrible I didn't waste any time I reached for my pistol at that time as an engineer I didn't have time to carry all the folder all of one of these big submachine guns at all the sea spray and the yellow fruit and the, all the uh, outer perimeter and inner perimeter security people carried. I carried a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine-shot clip. This is in late August of 1979. Like Bond. Yeah. Now, you got a regular suit of clothes. You got a regular clothes on, plus you're in a almost like a spacesuit environment, and you're reaching for a gun. It's, it's not the easiest thing to do, and then to pop a clip in it and start shooting. And... I killed two of them. Yes, they're mortal, and they do die. However, in the process, one of them did this. I rem all I remember is that he just kind of waved his hand in front of his chest, and the next thing I know, this blue beam hit me and just literally opened me up like a fish. And every uh, burnt, burnt my fingers right off of me, and it was some form of electrical force because the kind of like hit, being hit by a lightning bolt, burned all my toenails off of me, uh, completely crispy crittered my left foot, burnt the shoe right off of me. All I remember is the smoking remains, and I'm laying almost, I'm still conscious, but in and out of, I didn't remember much. And there was a, a green beret that was right behind me that risked his life. In fact, he died. But he risked his life. He shoved me back in the basket and hit the button and took me up. I wouldn't be alive talking to you today if it wasn't for him. I'm forever indebted. He lost his life. So that there is really the meat of this story when it comes to the Dulce Base and the Dulce Base War is the story he tells there from 1979 and encountering the Greys underground. Apparently his first encounter with aliens because, you know, he was very shocked, obviously, and goes and shoots them, kills a couple of them, and it's it becomes a war. And they stink. Yeah, apparently they, the aliens stink, which I'd never heard before. Um, but yeah, it really becomes like a, a, a battle, you know, a, a shooting battle back and forth. And he's able to survive. Apparently, you know, uh, according to his story, he's the only survivor from that. And then tells it, you know, there in 1995, recounts those details. So what's fascinating to me, Karen, is he's able to retell that story, right? You hear those details and you think, my gosh, how is this possible? Again, it sounds like something out of War of the Worlds, Tom Cruise, you know, Orson Welles. 
But he's telling the story, and he also has the other elements of his experience that we spoke about, too, when it comes to these different, um, you know, elements that he's working with that can withstand 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, the anti-gravity trains on the ground movie Mach 2. Here's where he talks about the element corbamite. In my hand here, I have a piece of what's called corbamite. It's the heaviest element in the world. Element 140. This piece of material weighs 15 ounces. It's three and a half times the weight of uranium. It cannot be made to emit gamma rays. It cannot be isotoped. It is totally stable. It is used in all stealth aircraft and all Phoenix-class submarines. When combined with other alien elements, it is impregnable. It cannot be melted with charged particle beam weapon. When properly combined in secretive compounds, it can withstand temperatures in excess of 10 million degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. It yeah. is grown by aliens who have given a good... The other side of the alien question is, some of these aliens have broken off from their mainstream and said, we're not getting a fair shake, and so this is what happens. And I'm talking about the alien graves. Some of them broken away. Yeah, she says that the underground war is ongoing. In August of 1979, he says it continues and we don't know about it and that the militaries of the world are in constant conflict with 11 distinct races of aliens, and only two of them are good aliens. Right, which, you know, again, if you think about these things, this is a whole different type of reality that he's referring to here because we live our lives and we think about, you know, what's going on in the world, what's going on in politics, what's going on in sports, what's going on in our own lives. We're paying the bills, we're, you know, feeding our families, we're driving to work and sitting in traffic. This guy is talking about <laughs> literally a different reality where there's conflicts and wars between aliens and militaries and all of this extremely uh, advanced technology with elements that we've never even heard of with with capabilities that we can't even imagine. And this is 26 years ago when he's talking about it. So it makes you wonder if he's talking about it then, 1995, all these different things that you know we're capable of doing in all these underground bases, what the heck is happening now? If these things are actually true. And that's only like 10 years after we landed on the moon with, you know, a transistor when it comes to his, radio battery. Right, when it comes to this 1979 encounter at Dulce Base, right? Yeah. And he goes on about the underground war. 66 Secret Service agents, Green Berets, Black Berets, crack troops lost their lives because the government, our United States government, lied did not tell us anything about the alien threat. There's a war underneath there, and I'm talking dead serious. It's been going on since that time. Since late August of 1979, our military, the Russian military, basically the militaries of the world, have been in constant conflict with the outer space alien. The, the small gray, the large gray, the reptilians, the whole thing. There are 11, there are 11 distinct races of aliens. Two are benevolent. That. One had to leave here in a hurry because their world is under attack, both on the surface as well as underground there, the Pleiadesians. The Pleiadesians? Yes, I've actually, I've actually heard of them. Really? <laughs> yes. What the hell? Yeah. Do I believe this guy? 
I, it's hard to say. It I mean, like, what was his word? Faldy Rawl. Yeah, I mean, you make up your own mind. The thing that that gets to me about him, and that always got to me about this story, is how. I mean, it's going to sound strange to say this, but how credible he sounds. And he what does. I, what I mean by that is his attention to, to detail, the way that he tells the story. There's no skipping a beat. There's no, no. pausing. There's no. Uh, it's like he's um, recalling it, not making it up. Exactly, and it's it's, it's just. It makes you wonder. <laughs> well, he also points out something interesting, Stephen, that he says, you know, what about some of our diseases like COVID? Are these from the aliens? Because all aliens, regardless benevolent or otherwise, they're carrying germs and diseases and bacterium in and on them that are deadly to us. If I were making policy, I'd quarantine them all because how do we not know that some of our diseases like AIDS, Ebola, uh, hantavirus, and a few of these other weird designer diseases, as I call them, are not made from the cadavers of some of these aliens as a biological weapon to use against the people of the United States. Well, I'm tired. I'm a tired American speaking out. Well, not anymore, because he's dead. So we were kind of keeping that fact from you because we wanted to play everything for you first and to kind of put it into perspective. But the thing about this is you might have been wondering the entire show here today, well, where is this guy? Like, you keep saying 1995. Right. Where is he? How come we haven't heard from him since or heard about him? Google him. You're not going to find much. I mean, there's there's a book. There's our podcast. There's There's a book. There's a YouTube video. And there's something on Pinterest. Otherwise... A lot of the stuff about Philip Schneider has been scrubbed. Why, you ask? Well, Karen, I'll tell you why. Because he, he He's uh, dead. was found dead six or seven months after that speech took place. That speech took place in May of 1995, the one that we've been playing for you here today. So he was a dead man talking. Yeah, essentially. And I mean, it's and it's kind of spooky. It's a little bit chilling when you think back to some of the clips that we played when he talks about how he was shot in the shoulder. He's had many attempts on his life. And then, coincidentally, air quotes, seven months later, in January of 1996, he's found dead in his home, strangled to death with a piano wire. Just like in, remember the movie Marathon Man, when Roy Scheider is strangled to death with a piano wire? Right. It cuts the throat. That's right. And one of the things, again, what they found, the foul play was always suspected. Of course, they called it a suicide because, you know, why not? Um, and that that's what they want you to think with somebody when somebody like that gets gets killed. Um, so officially, that's what they say, but there was a very distinct marks of torture when it came to Philip Schneider's body being found. There was a lot of signs of struggle, a lot of signs of a violent death, so to speak. Um, yeah, and at the time he was this guy, Philip Snyder was the only one brave enough to talk about all this crap. After the great firefight, the alien human war, I am the only living survivor talking about it worldwide at all. The only one. The other two are in nursing homes in Canada, and the Canadian government refuses to allow any US people, including myself, to talk to them. And now he's dead, and now Stephen and I, Queen Elizabeth, no, AOC, are talking about it. I'm not going to identify myself anymore because I don't want to get the piano wire around the neck. Right. I have a little neck. It's uh, it's scary. It is. And it is scary. And that's why, I mean, look, you know, not, not that I'm saying that it's uh, 
really think it's going to happen, but it is a little frightening to think that this guy was essentially killed. Again, they, they say suicide. Let's be honest here. He's suicide found, with a piano wire? Yeah. I mean, really? he, he's found basically tortured oh, and beaten. Oh, yeah. He was tortured. Right. With piano wire wrapped around his neck. So let's be honest here. This, this was most likely not a suicide. So it's it's a little unsettling when we go and do this show. We try to find, for this particular episode, we try to find information. I did. I, I was like, well, let me, you know, just double. I'm, I'm a news person, so I wanted to double check some of this stuff. And it's hard to find information on this guy and on his death and on the things that he's talking about here. I, 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 don't, I was lucky to find this YouTube video where we could get his, his, his words, his explanation of everything, not only from the Dulce Base War in 1979, of August 1979, but also from all the other findings that he talked about, like the different materials, like the technology that you heard here today on, on this episode. It's extremely fascinating. And if you downloaded this podcast, they can track you now. No, Karen, no! <laughs> Don't say those things. It's okay. It's going to be fine. It's Don't g- worry. <laughs> so, but like I said, I'm if, there's, scared. if there's no episode seven, then uh, then you know what happened to you us. Know what, he also said, and I did not know this, my dad, and I didn't know, my dad had a really high IQ. My mom, like, when I was little, she's like, your dad has a very... High IQ, and I thought, okay. I found out recently he was tested multiple times at Central Michigan, and it, his IQ is like 197. He's wow. top 1% of Mensa. But that aliens have an IQ in the thousands. Right. Here's uh, our friend Phil. My question I'd like to ask is this. If the aliens have a 1,200 IQ, can speak all these languages, <laughs> and are so powerful, what prevents them from just taking over? That's a good question. <laughs> Basically, they have taken over. All that's left is a bunch of screaming, all a bunch of us that have been very complacent. Uh, half of the 131 under, deep underground military bases are basic cities for them. Right underneath our feet is a macabre site indeed. You can bet your bottom dollar they've already basically won the war. So, again, this is 1995. <laughs> Lovely. It, it makes you wonder, well, if that's the case. Because it was a good question. I'm sure maybe you were wondering that as well, the question that that guy asked. Because it was in front of a small group in a, in a conference hall when Philip Schneider uh, had this this talk, you know, back 26 years ago. And after he was done, as you can hear, he took some questions from the audience that day. And, it's again, it's probably a question you were asking yourself. Well, if that's the case, you know, hey, hey guys, you know, what are you talking about? If he's talking about this in 1995, we're doing okay in 2021, so why haven't they taken over? Well, they already have. That was his answer, you know. And, again, what it, expla- you, it explains you know, a lot. What, and, and, and what do you believe? Because what I found interesting, too, Karen, was um, when he talked about the, the diseases. That really struck me when we were doing the research for this episode and we and we grabbed that clip there because of course what we think about today is covid now in, in 1995 he's talking about aids he's talking about ebola and different things like that because those were on the you know the tip of everybody's tongue in 1995 especially hiv and you know, aids right right now the thing on everybody's mind in 2021 is covid so it it kind of and was it engineered it makes you wonder and it kind of sent a chill down my spine when i heard that clip when we were doing the research for this where he says you know you you have to ask yourself the question are some of these diseases man-made from the bodies from from the dead bodies the cadavers 
of aliens because apparently they carry disease, which I never really thought about before. And uh, we kill them, too, with our diseases, apparently, according to Phil Schmidt. According to his stories, right. Well, some sources allege that horrific genetic experiments are conducted in the lower levels of this facility in Dulce. And right. that these levels are sometimes referred to as Nightmare Hall. That's not a company name. Ugh. Because they're doing human and uh, animal experiments, from what I've heard anyway. And according to the legend, Project Aquarius in 1966 was a plan for investigation of UFOs carried out and funded by the CIA. Project Aquarius was slated to begin December 1969 when Project Grudge and Project Blue Book, which right. we talked about last week, were closed. And in 1969, the base was built northwest of Dulce in joint agreement between the CIA, aliens, and, I guess, what, other governments? I don't know. It's a <laughs> it's allegedly located in the, what is it, the Hickorilla? Uh, the, uh, yeah, the Hickorilla. Hickorilla, excuse yes. me, Apache Indian Reservation. So, and the base gets its water and electricity from the Navajo River and dumps wastewater back into the same river. So, who knows what's going on with that? Mm. And the government occupies upper levels of the underground base while the aliens control the lower levels. Right. But it's, it's all secret now. Right. And that's something that is important to note, too, because there are stories of, you know, cooperation between the governments and the aliens, how they work together. They allow them to do these experiments and sometimes... Well, things don't go very well. And look. <laughs> and they have strange sightings. They see moving lights. And then you've got the mutilation of some of the animals there, right? Yeah, that's right. The cows. And that's always very strange. I know. It looks so perfect. And so. Like, the way that the things are cut no out. blood. Yeah. It's so weird. It's, it's, very, it's very precise. And look, you know, we don't want to come on here and sound like crazy conspiracy tin hat foil yeah, people. I... It's just we're giving you the, the information that, you know. Philip, Philip Schneider gave in 1995. We're presenting that to you. And then we just, we kind of think from there. We, look, think about it yourself. I mean, if he's talking about, like we said, these, these different diseases, I'm not sitting here saying that this is where COVID, COVID came from alien bodies, but it, it just, it made me think. It struck me because of the time that we live in where he's talking about they carry these diseases and makes made him wonder you know, are this, some of these diseases that come about, are they man-made from the cadavers of aliens? It might seem far-fetched. Maybe it is. But it's something that maybe you make that leap yourself and, and you have those own thoughts. Come to your own conclusions. That's that's what we always like to do here on Unidentified Alien Podcast is we give you the information. We give you the story, the, how it was presented from the people who experienced it, and make up your own mind. And in this case today... It's really one of the most unbelievable, fantastical things that I think we're probably ever going to cover on this on this show. It's 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 wild. It really is. Everything not, about this is wild. I'm not sure what to think, but <laughs> when you first told me about it and I first started looking into it, I thought this guy's full of it. And then you start listening to him and you see his fingers are gone. His fingers are gone. And yeah. he, and then you find out he's dead. Right. Right after he gives this speech, it just some of this is a real head scratcher for me. I mean, I hate to say it, he was seemingly uh, Epstein. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> this is a guy who, I mean, you heard the sound there earlier in the show where he says, They don't want me talking about this. I'm the only person in the world who was in this position and saw these things and experienced these things coming out and talking about these things. I'm breaking federal law by doing this. International law. International too. law. And, well, seven months later, he's found dead with piano wire around his neck. So if he was, let's just say, real before we go here today, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, he was a complete quack, right? 
and he just total non-threat, made everything up. Then he'd be all over the internet. Then, right, he would be still be alive today talking about <laughs> yes. it because he would pose no threat. But if he was did have some type of semblance of truth to something that he's talking about in anything, in any aspect that he was talking about, it would make sense that he's being hunted down the way that he was, that he described being shot, being saved a couple times, and then eventually killed in the January of 1996. Why else would they be going after this guy if he didn't have some type of information that they didn't want him getting out? And he's completely scrubbed from the internet. It's it's amazing. It's it's hard to find information. So next week we're going to talk about another really weird one. Yes. You showed me this photo that was taken in England. And even Kodak got involved trying to investigate this photograph. I thought that's how then Paul McCartney met Linda because she was from the Kodak family. Uh, I don't uh, think so. Maybe anyway. we'll, we'll find out, though, because, you know, we're glad we can give you the information on this, all this wild stuff today on, on episode six of the Unidentified Alien podcast. But, and again, make up your own minds. If, if you want, you can try to find more information, but it's yeah, not easy. Yeah, go for it. If you do, let us know. But next week on episode seven... We are going to get into another one of my favorites, the Solway Firth Spaceman. Very true. And Some guy just taking a picture of his kid. Photographic evidence, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild stuff, and we'll get into that next week. But don't forget, for every other episode, if you ever, if you missed any of the previous episodes of UAP, Unidentified Alien Podcast, you can always find it. Apple, Spotify, wherever you look for podcasts. On 850WFTL.com, where the show airs as well. You can find it there streaming all the previous episodes. Karen and I are on the South Florida Morning Show every Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. with Jennifer Ross and Bill Adams. So you hear us there as well. Not necessarily talking about aliens. No, because they wouldn't allow it. (laughs) Sometimes we do, but for the most part, you're going to hear the deep dive on UAP. Yeah, and make sure you subscribe so the aliens can find you. And And the government. No, subscribe so you can get all the latest episodes. Oh, there you go. Yes. So subscribe, download it, rate it, and you can find us again anywhere you uh, look for podcasts. All the previous episodes right there. So don't forget to uh, to check those out as well. Right. Well, Stephen Diener, mind blown. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week on UAP, Unidentified Alien Podcast, the Soulway for the Spaceman coming up in Episode 7. Until then, Karen Curtis there, Stephen Diener here. Be well. We'll talk to you again next time. If we're still alive.